Welcome, everybody, to On the Top. Welcome, everybody, to On The Top Podcast. I am your minister of fun, Eric Johnson. And I am the human energizer bunny, Caleb Herndey. We're sitting here live in Y Nationals, Greensboro, North Carolina, with the head coach of the York YMCA, Mr. John Nelson. Say hello to the people, John. Hello, everyone out there. So, how are you doing this meet? What do you think so far? Uh, this is always excellent meet for us. Um, environment here, super exciting for the kids. In fact, we... Um, we went to a, uh, the, the Atlanta Pro Series. I remember all the kids telling us, oh, this seems so, uh, so much more boring, so much less exciting than Wine Nationals. No, no, uh, no T-shirts being thrown in the crowds up at uh, the Arena Pro Series. No dance-offs. Exactly. So, uh, yep. So, no, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great meet for us. Our, our kids love it, and, uh, and they do a good job putting it on. It's awesome. This is my first one, so I'm just loving the whole experience. This is a lot of fun. I can't wait. I already cannot wait for next year. Last day, looking forward to next year. John, if you could tell us about your team a little bit. Uh, York YMCA in York, Pennsylvania, correct? Correct. Uh, tell us a little about the town. Tell us a little about the team. Yeah, so we're an industrial town. Uh, I think they call us the snack capital of the, of the world. Snack uh, capital of the world. Snack capital. They got, they got uh, Frito-Lays. Uh, most, most of Doritos, are, are, I think, are packaged really? there. Um, Hershey chocolate does a lot up in Hershey, about Salty an hour from and us. and sugar. Uh, Hanover uh, of Snyder pretzels. You ever eat those? Uh, those are right there in those York. Those honey mustard get the honey, me every that's time. The one, that's the one I love, yeah. So those are getting made there. The, the York peppermint patty, obviously. <laughs> I didn't uh, realize that at all. That is, uh, that's York PA. So, yeah, the we snack got, capital of the world. We got a lot of snacks getting made there. Um, it's a big combat, huh? It's, uh, <laughs> so it's a... It's a Industrial town, um, and uh, it, has, it covers a you know pretty wide region, and a um, little smaller than where I grew up in Charlottesville, Virginia. But um, a good place, a good place to be. Well, right on. Um, so we did a little background research on you, um, and we know that you're into a lot of motor skills learning. Um, a lot of what we read and saw and even Swim Swam with the videos out there um, talked about the, the process of random learning versus repetition. Um, we know you like a lot of random learning for keeping those skills in the mind and coming back to them. So what's your insight on that? Yeah, we could talk for a while on this one. Long time. Uh, so we, you stop me when you want. Uh, you know, ask me more questions on, on what we do. But uh, basically... Um, the idea behind random uh, learning uh, versus, well, and, and really the idea behind just having, having a purpose behind both your uh, series of what you, how you introduce something um, matters. And it matters both in how they t uh, learn it to start and also how they retain it. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm big into algorithms. Like there's a great book, Algorithms to Live By, um, which I really recommend. Um, and you know when you when you look at the the greatest uh, companies or you know Google is the best search engine because it has the best algorithm uh, you know if, if it can find things faster and, and and if you if you have a better algorithm uh, you know you're going to beat out somebody with you know with a lesser one and I think that one of the things that um, people miss out on is the you know they have a lot of material they want to teach 
uh, and they, they just shoot it to the kids, you know, day after day. Oh, today's uh, fly day, today's this day. And I, and, and I don't know that we as coaches spend enough time thinking through, okay, does the order that we teach them in matter um, for how they, how they learn it? Mm-hmm. As well, um, how well do they retain it? Um, because a frustration of mine, and I know many coaches, we've all had that practice where the kids uh, learn a new drill or a new skill, and you during, let's say you do 20-25s, freestyle swim, fingertip drag, and everyone's getting high elbow recoveries, if that's what you like. Some, some people don't like that. Uh, and and, and the end, by the end of 2025s, your whole team looks uh, perfect. They all look like, you know, Park Taiwan out there. Yep. And then uh, you come back a day or two later, and you have to start totally from scratch. Nobody looks like they did at the end of the set, you know, and, and you start over again. And, and, you, and so I think where random uh, learning um, versus blocked learning, which we'll talk about, um, is so important is because it starts to look at the science that people have done into, okay, how do, we, how do we learn a new skill and then how do we retain that new skill? And I think we spend so much time teaching new skills but not actually seeing it retained. Um, and the, um, so I know I'm going to keep rattling here, but I, I think the, 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 the blocked training, um, when we do things like that 2025s in a row, I think that is the best way uh, for an athlete to learn a motor skill uh, and to actually understand it. But when it comes to retaining that skill and being able to replicate that skill a week, uh, you know, a month from now, uh, then you're going to have to look at, at that random training uh, as well as the, the interleaving and, and spacing uh, you know, of what you do. Yeah, because the way I take it is, you could do those 2025s, all the same drill, and a week from now, you can look back and you try to recall one of those, but they all kind of coagulate together and you can't recall one. But if you do one in a good you know, set of 10, uh, they can look back and say, oh, I remember the first one, the second one, and the third one that we did. Yeah. And so is that what you're trying to get across right there? Yeah, I, and I, so I, I don't know if this is um, neurologically correct or not, but the way, the way I, I view it, um, and, and I sometimes tell this to the kids, is you have the, the, the real thing that makes someone remember something is the storage and retrieval process. And that will bring out the, um, the, the LTP, the long-term potentiation, that, that strong firings of neurons. You, you want those mm-hmm. neurons to fire you know, more and more. So if you, if you do 2025s of the same stroke, you've really only um, recalled and executed it one time. The 2025s, because it's that block, it's really just one time. But if you go 25 free, uh, you, have to, you have to recall what freestyle swim is in your mind. You swim it, you get to the other end. Then you have to store freestyle into your um, memory. Uh, you have to recall the next lap, which is let's say butterfly kick on your back. Uh, you have to uh, execute that skill. And when you get to the wall, then you have to store that and retrieve again the freestyle. So by doing the learning um, sets that most people would do just the one stroke, by doing the learning sets as uh, random, uh, back and forth, you're gonna, I think, see more storage and retrieval, uh, which is gonna drive that deeper into their memory. And, and, it, and, and a warning out there, uh, it will look worse. Uh, if you do 2025s of three different drills uh, instead of 2025s of all the same, at the end of the 20, your kids will look worse than the group that did 20 in a row. Yep. 
two but weeks you later, have though. To start over at zero the next time you do it. Correct. You start at point you eight. You start halfway uh, up the stairs. Yeah, instead of instead of somewhere else. Yeah, right on. So when when we're doing that, uh, the biggest thing that I take away is we did a lot of research on the act of recalling is a skill, and a lot of people don't think of it as a measurable skill, but when we dove into it, we can see the people who are learning the most have an, a better quality of retrieving the information. And that's something that most coaches don't get into. It's something, obviously, I didn't, early in my career did not get into. It was just, you should know this, I taught you, why haven't you remembered this? And if you don't practice that skill of retrieving memory, it's going to be you know, a moot point when it comes to it. Yeah, excellent. All right, so kind of moving on. York traditionally has been a powerhouse of this wine national meet. You've had several NCAA recruits, big-time swimmers here setting records. Megan Small, Courtney Harnish, Haley Flickinger going back a little bit. How have those ladies and gentlemen uh, helped out the York culture and the tradition of excellence at this meet and throughout the year? Um, and obviously, I'd like to give a shout out to Michael Brooks, who really built the program. Uh, Big time. Uh, you know, from the start. Um, but yes, those those uh, those young ladies uh, have have done a fantastic job of you know putting in the work, and it has built a um, it's built an expectation that we can compete with the rest of the country, even though we're a small club. Uh, we. we we are a club of about, we, we've ranged from 90 to 120 swimmers. Right now we're about, about 120, uh, you know, on our roster. And um, it's intimidating to go up against some of these other clubs that have 200, uh, 300, 500, uh, you know, swimmers. For sure. And, uh, and when, when you have your teammates that go out there and, and you know, and compete like that, um, I think it, it sends a message back at home. In fact, I, I got an email uh, last night from a parent saying their kid is at home watching, um, being inspired you know, by what's going on. They told me they, they, they caught their kid counting uh, one of our summer strokes. Uh, you know, Stroke in the, count, uh, biggest thing right in there. The, in there. And so I, I, think they, I think they have done, we owe a lot of our current success to those uh, athletes for what they, you know, what they did by, by um, working so hard and uh, you know, putting that out there. It's, it's laid down a foundation, a culture, a culture of excellence, which is what we really have been going after. Something to carry through to future generations, like you said, people at home. So we sat down with Chad Onken last night, and he was saying the same thing. It's an experience. It's not just a swim meet. So it's not just getting there and having fun. It's getting there, having fun, and then bringing the entire meet back to the little kids and saying, this is where you need to be. Yeah. Right on. Um, so uh, this is your second year yes. as head coach. Um, what would you, as, as a flat outlier of just a general basis, what are your goals when you took over and how have they changed in those two years? Uh, so da daily goals change all the time. Uh, my, my, when, when, right when I took over, um, I knew there was uh, m most of the stuff we were doing, we were obviously doing really well. Uh, the club was very successful. And I wanted to identify those things and, uh, and make sure that we retained um, retained what we were doing well. Uh, that's a focus on mo motor skills, mo motor learning, um, instead of um, maybe say ph physiology. A lot of people get caught up in 
heart rate and big and, time. Uh, and, and 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 there's nothing wrong with that, and that's you know it's good stuff. But I I think that you know with the little guys, the ten unders and things like that, I think we we miss out on um, how much we can give those little guys by um, by by studying ourselves up on on how the brain intakes information, you know, and and and, and holds on to it. So I wanted to keep a, a strong basis both with me and with my assistant coaches um, with, on you know, on, on, on writing our workouts based on those principles. Uh, I wanted to identify a few areas that we were weaker in. Um, I saw that we had some weak spots, um, a little bit in breaststroke, uh, had been, a, had been a weak one just as a total team. Um, and, uh, attendance, um, in the mornings was never really terrific, uh, which I can get into the detail of that later. So <laughs> mornings and doubles is something that I, now is an obsession of mine. But uh, I think that, um, yeah, it was, it was right when I took over, it was, okay, figure out what we're doing great and keep doing it and then find those weak spots and really attack them and monitor them closely to figure out are we changing it for the better right now or are we, you know, are we making things worse. Yeah. Raising the standard, raising the bar every day. Yes. And um, let's talk a little bit more about goals as a swimmer and as a coach. We know we talk a lot about a trader. The character drives the process, which drives the results. And that's how we kind of think about setting goals. We have the Schrader way, which is be great, act with integrity, team first, and expect success. And we know you guys have your York philosophies. Can you kind of dive into those and kind of explain how you use those to help set your goals as a coach and as a program, but also how, you let, uh, how that helps the swimmers set their goals and how you guide them through that? Yeah. So uh, Arete um, is on the backs of our shirts. Uh, we really meaning excellence um, in, in, in its truest form. Uh, almost almost uh, a state of excellence is is what it gets used Homer you know uh, as and uh, and uh, Michael Brooks when he published his book also published the um, like the creeds uh, that we have mm -hmm. and uh, and we use those as well you know to try to. Uh, ingrained in our kids certain certain principles, but I guess what what we want is a, is is that pursuit of excellence without sacrificing their lives, uh, you know, for it, and trying to get them to realize that they can be if if they can learn how to be excellent in the sport of swimming. Uh, and I think every coach tells tells us on their kids that we're not doing anything different, but that they can carry that into the other areas of their lives, for and sure. and that they you know that they they can see and learn the um, that correlation between you know i did weeks of hard work i i paid attention i i made changes and then i saw you know a you know a a, a positive change and a positive result and the same thing goes you know i tell them all the time and i i think what what makes us successful uh at getting that to the kids uh is constantly visiting it um if you if you sit the kids down once a week, I will sit them down and talk about our team's traditions, you know, our team's uh, desire to be better um, than we have been in the past, to be, uh, you know, putting our best forward every single day. And, I, and, and the things that I go long periods of time without talking about are the things that I think are the weakest that we have in our team. Um, and so, and I, I do think excellence is probably at the forefront of what we're pushing on them. And, and I do, I, I visit it 
all the time just saying, you know, if you are really trying to be excellent, you know, in this, and I ask, and the set is, you know, counting your strokes, and I ask you your stroke count, you can't even tell me, you know, how, the, um, how, yeah, how, I know how, you're lying. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if they take, if they stick any more than a second dancer. Uh, so then I think that, uh, that, that will bring them to, uh, buy into it a lot more by, by visiting so much. And I, and I, I think the same thing goes for a lot of stuff I do. Like I, you know, I, we, we've had some behavior issues. Um, we've had some kids who, um, you know, mess with, mess with the facility, don't clean up after themselves. And if I, once every two weeks, just in a team meeting, remind them, Hey, look, this is our facility, keep it clean. It's amazing the impact that has and, and, and how they, they do a better job, you know, of, of, uh, of keeping it clean. But you got to ownership property right there. Yes. Yes. But you got to, as a coach, you got, you only have a certain amount of time, uh, you know, obviously to talk to people about the kids about things cause they're in the water. But if you, if you, if you revisit the things that are really important over and over, you will see it improve. Um, but if you go too long, you know, without it, I think it, I think it suffers for sure. And you know, as you said, the stuff that you do few and far between, the stuff that that they do slip up on. I feel like sometimes I get off on tangents uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, not just within the practice, but uh, I get stuck on one thing and I forget to come back to it. But I agree. When I come back to it, the instant I talk about it, they know it's in the forefront of their mind. They understand. So we have a brand new pool down on the south side of Milwaukee, and to keep that clean, we try to get a couple kids every week to go by and you know clean up the deck, pick up trash, wipe down the chrome, you know, everything to keep the pool as pristine as possible. And that ownership and respect of the program carries through because, you know, as every coach says, no athlete's bigger than the program. And when you get caught in those tangents, you kind of, the kids kind of say, hey, I am the program. But as soon as you remind them day after day that the legacy continues, they understand that it's something's bigger out there. Yeah, that's a great point. Big time. Um, Right on. So we've talked a lot about the mental side um, and how, you know, motor skills and how retention is a huge part of swimming. But obviously swimming is a physical sport. And in terms of physical nature, I'm a huge promoter of technique and finishing your stroke. Is there one thing in a physical manner that you hold true that you see yourself saying every single day? Um, in, rega in regards to technique? Like Absolutely. A, it could be technique sets. It could be anything that you're really focusing on and you're experimenting with or what, anything like that. Yeah. Um, so we, we have what we call the, the stroke catechism, uh, you know, that, that, that uh, is short phrases, um, easy to remember. Um, and I am harping on those all the time. And I probably do have some that I, I hope are more, you know, commonly than not, you know, in butterfly, we say double explosion out the back, mm -hmm. uh, referring to the hands finishing, uh, you know, right past the hips, right as the dolphin kick, uh, you know, is happening. And that's that the hands finishing with the kick coming down. That's the double explosion right there. Yep. And, uh, you know, so all, all the time in fly sets, I'll be telling them, you know, double explosion out the back, double, you know, double explosion out the back. Um, and that, that's, that's where we get most of our technique in it and it makes mm -hmm. it makes it easy ling um easy lingo and easy easy to talk about after a race too i mean i think so many coaches struggle with how to word what they saw you know it's like oh you know you're not finishing your arms at the same time you know as your kicks coming down and they're they're, they're fumbling for the right word to describe but we have we can just say well your double explosion wasn't happening you know yeah. it, was, it was it was off you know so so using using those phrases um 
that's how we address a lot of our technique. And uh, I think it really, we, are, we use those too at Schrader, and I think it really connects the way we all talk throughout the program as well. So a kid at 11 and 12 is going to, they were still working on that issue, they're going to still hear the exact same lingo at, when they're 16, 17, 18. Hopefully they don't have that same issue. But they're still going to hear that same common language throughout the program. I think it really helps them kind of connect the dots of what we're looking for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and um, maybe better answer your question, you know, what am I really looking for, like, in technique? I, I, I want if efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably the highest priority for me, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the younger kids over, um, over speed. So, you know, if, if a kid is taking um, 25 strokes per lap and going, <laughs> That's a you lot. know, 59 second 100 freeze, this is, a, let's say, a 10-year-old, you know, you might say, wow, a 10-year-old is going 59 second 100 freeze is amazing. But to me, I'm freaked out because it's like, well, you know, after two years of this, he's going to have unchangeable habits of just incredibly high tempo. And I'd rather slow him down and have him be going 108s and taking 16 strokes per lap, uh, just knowing that where that will put him in the future. Uh, you know, is going to be way better than where he is, you know, with, with that. So for me, uh, one of the big things when I'm roaming the pool watching practice is I'm looking for um, areas that they can improve in their efficiency sure. and reminding them, you know, you don't have to go a best time every single repeat. Uh, you got to also be making these changes in the technique. Uh, Michael Brooks, I remember he always called it beautiful swimming. Yes. He always wanted to see beautiful swimming, and he would take that over times any day. Yep. I think that's what it's really all about, just trying to get them as efficient as possible, and then speed will come as we go. Yep. All right, so as coaches, we like to think that every practice is the best when we're writing, and like, oh, this is such a cool idea. Let's try it out. Not everything always goes to plan. As a coach, how do you handle a quote-unquote bad practice where the kids maybe aren't just focusing enough or the set's not as good or as, as you hoped? Do you feel like you can scrap it, or do you keep going with it, and then do you change when you get home? How do you handle a quote-unquote bad practice as a coach, and then if a swimmer has a bad practice, what do you kind of tell them to kind of get through, uh, get that through to them? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we definitely have bad practices, uh, and I, and I, um, I don't give up on practices too quickly. Sometimes I think to myself, okay, maybe I just sold that set the wrong way. Yep. Um, it's not actually a bad practice. It's just the way I said it. Um, you know, they they are, you know, they're making some, uh, you know problems here we'll, we'll, we'll fix soon in the next set I'll, I'll change it out um we go in the next set still still everything's bad then i think to myself okay i must uh maybe beat him up too hard yet the day before mm-hmm. um maybe that's what's going on uh so i, I do I, i'm constantly evaluating as i see the practices going down i think to myself okay what what's causing this is it the environment that i've created that they're creating also possibly amongst themselves um is, is it my attitude is it yep so exactly because it can be me um, or the, our assistants, uh, it could be, um, it could be them. It could be, again, it could be my fault for the previous days just being a lot harder than I expected and them, um, you know, and them struggling. And so then I do make decisions to decide whether I need to make them just work through it and, um, you know, and, and get, get what I wanted done or I change a lot. And nor, I'd say 90% of the time I, I change. I, I, I deviate from my practice, um, you know, to, 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 Make sure that they're getting what they need done. Because if, if the idea, you know, is, you know, a super hard aerobic set where everyone's getting a, you know, a great workout uh, and, and nobody's making the interval or doing anything, I, you know, I don't, I don't see much point on just 
you know, having everyone miss the interval and, and keep going. And and likewise, you know, the, it's it's depressing sometimes for them just to you know be told by their coach. I think you can only, as a as a coach, I think you can only give out sets and have them fail so many times before it takes a serious, dangerous toll on your athletes. Um, if you are good at giving out sets, monitoring your workouts, and knowing. And, and they know that y what you give them is possible, you are in a really good situation and, and above most of the clubs in the country. Just believing in that positive attitude. Um, I think my biggest problem on a day-to-day -day basis is I think a practice that I write is going to be hard, and they're like, oh, it's easy, and I think, you know, this is a moderate practice, and they come back the next day saying, I'm so sore, I can't believe that. So the, we always talk about adaptation from swimmer's point of view, but if a coach doesn't adapt to his swimmers, I think that's a bigger downfall than vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Big time. Yep. Um, so with every guest that we have, we would like to talk about music and movies. I'm the music guy, Caleb over here is the movie guy for sure. Um, and we ask this to everybody. Is there a song, is there a band, is there a movie that you associate your philosophy with, and what is it? So, uh, that's a great one. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dodge uh, song or movie, go for book. Ooh. Uh, yeah, because, uh, and I believe they did make it in a movie, although I haven't seen it. But uh, Atlas Shrugged um, by Ayn Rand is a, Classic. Uh, a, a awesome book. Uh, and it really... Um, I think it has inspired me in life, uh, and as well as you know, it's it's um, it's part of my philosophy. You know that that you can work really, really hard, uh, you know, and achieve. And you know, for those out there who have read it, uh, you know, the the main character is um, is constantly all he cares about is just doing the absolute best that he can do, and continually doing the you know doing it. And there, there's the other people out there that are playing political games and, 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 you know, making all these moves and slowly, you know, getting everything that he works, you know, for. Um, but he continues to just say, you know, I can't control what all these other people are doing. I'm just going to do the best I can with, with, that's with, awesome. my, with my skills. So that, that's my, um, my motivation a lot of times, that book. That's awesome. We'll have to update it now to book. How many times have you read that? That's a big book. How many times uh, do you think you've read that? I have re read it in paperback twice, uh, and I've listened to it through Audible uh, probably three times. That's awesome. A lot of those long trips from pool to pool in, in the summer and uh, early spring. Yes, yes. Always got to bring a copy with you. Yes. I love it. So kind of our last question, uh, what are three words to describe what you want your team to display, whether it's at a meet, whether it's in practice, whether it's outside the pool in your community? Like you said, it's a small community. Everyone kind of knows each other. What are the three words that you want your team to display at all times? Whew, three words. Uh, I mean, I, I think... Uh, you can boil down to one, maybe two. Um, confident is certainly one. And, uh, and compassionate, uh, I think, is another one. I think it's really neat when kids can um, you know, have the empathy and can show compassion for, the, for their teammates. But I also, you know, a confident you know, is a big one for me, too, because I think that they need... So many kids lack the knowledge of just how, how good they are, and uh, I want them to, to show that with their, you know, with their emotions and their body language. Totally agree. Um, we always touch on uh, the fact that if a swimmer has a bad race or a bad meet or even a bad month of practice, the fact that they're on the edge of the cliff and you talk them down is one thing, but the fact of compassion of another swimmer coming to them and uh, being aware of that and 
them coming to them is a huge factor in what we do because as coaches, we talk and bark at them all the time and uh, the same thing might be said over and over again, but as soon as a peer comes to them and shows them the compassion to talk them down off that ledge, we think that has a, a more impact than if we were to say anything too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, coming back to, uh, to practice. Uh, this is practice is what I love the most. I, I love meets, love go to meets, but practice is my main squeeze. Love it, um, and I love to experiment on a mental side and a physical side all the time. Uh, being a more mental coach and more motor skills learning coach, is there stuff that you experiment with on a daily basis, or is there something that you love to do uh, that uh, that that uh, really pushes the envelope? Yeah. Um, so constantly experimenting uh, with with a lot of stuff we do. I, I think that um, for as far as motor learning goes, uh, experiencing, I, I've played around a lot uh, in the past season with showing video uh, during practice. And, um, and the, again, going back to format, I think it matters so much the format that you use. Um, but what is the best format for that? Do you, do you play the video uh, for the swimmers? and then have them uh, swim? Do you play the video, have them close their eyes, imagine themselves swimming that way, and then swim? Um, do you play the video right on the edge of the pool where they're swimming one lap, watching for 10 seconds, swimming another lap, uh, you know, watching for 10 seconds? Uh, that, uh, and, and then and you take it even farther, so again, something I've experienced with, you know, you can watch elite swimmers, and then 10 minutes later, ha have, have yourself videotaped and then see yourself. And I'm not sure, again, right now I'm still experimenting. I'm not sure which is the best one. I, th I personally think that you confuse the swimmers by, um, by playing really good video for them and then quickly showing them their own video. I think a lot of coaches are obsessed with that, and they, they want to, you know, have these little draw on the screen, you know, things and put you, you know, compare you on a, you know, on a line to our swimmer. I think it has certainly you know a time and place for it, but I, I think that a lot of times that might actually be um, confusing the swimmers a little bit more than they um, you know than than they realize. Um, so that's something that I've just really been trying around with is when 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 I how long do I play the video for? Is it a three minute clip, five minute clip? You know how long do I have them close their eyes and do those for? All that. Where does that fit in? So you're saying you're kind of comparing them. Are you comparing? their swimming habits to the elite level swimmers? Are you comparing them to each other? How are you using, like you said, you're using that video to compare, draw notes, write on. What exactly are you comparing them to? Like what you have in your mind, elite swimmers, each other? Can you go into that a little bit further? Yeah. So, I mean, I, we, we, would, we would have to also define, we talked about beautiful swimming. Uh, some things are beautiful uh, that are not beautiful to others. And there's uh, a couple different kinds of beautiful swimming. There's yes. different kinds of breaststroke, different kinds of freestyle, and to each their own. I mean, there's definitely beautiful types. Correct. So that, that's, again, that's something also you got to think about. Um, the, the catechism that we have, we have a video catechism that goes with it. Um, and so we believe in certain things. I mean, for example, we, we, we believe in a, a six-beat kick uh, for freestyle. Uh, and I know Ledecky, uh, four beats uh, for most of her distance races. Uh, and, and, you know, that works for her. And, and we discuss that. We don't hide that from the kids. You know, we show them, we say, look, you know, there's four beaters out there. There's two beaters out there. Um, 
there's eight meters in, you know, out there. Uh, so there's the Grant Hackett's of the world that can just keep on going forever. Yes, twelve beat. Twelve, twelve beat exactly. So I, you know, I um, uh, the perfect model also depends on you know what what to you and what what your perfect model is. But for us, we have a set of videos that we believe you know are the are the elite, and it could come even from our own swimmers. And we've had some pretty good swimmers come out of our program that we have a lot of video of, and we've used them, and I think that's relevant to them, um, you know, to see that. So. That's what we have uh, to compare to. And I think that the better you have um, the, the whole body uh, in the image um, and then their whole body in the image, the, the better it is to, to compare. Because another problem that I've seen with other clubs I visit and watching them, you know, they, they, they have, the camera might be too close or they're... You know, for whatever reason, the, the image is, is of just the upper body and showing the beautiful arm catch and pull, but you can't see their legs at the same time. And I, I think that's, I think that's um, cognitively you know, difficult to understand. You, know, you, you want to see it all as it fits in. And then likewise, when you're watching your own stroke, you'd like to see your whole stroke as it fits with a focus on the spot. You know? So tell them, you know, hey, look, we're looking at the arms right now and have them watch the arms. But... But in the back of their mind, they're still getting to see the rest of the body and how that and how that fits in. Um, I don't know if that answers the question or not, but for but sure. I mean, like as a as a huge music guy, I I'd like to produce and record my own music, and I view a swimmer uh, as a whole as an entire mixing board. I have a master volume, but then his kick, his body position, his his pull, they're all individual tracks that I can manipulate, and you have to be able to back it up and look at the track as an entire thing, but then break it down as well. So I totally understand the whole view as a process as well. well. I'm, I'm loving the music uh, Big fan. right there, that analogy. How's Big it going? Fan. Well, all right, man. That's all the time we have for today. Um, we just want to thank you, John Nelson, for coming out and talking to us. Yep, this was great. I re you guys are doing a great thing here, uh, and it's awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much. Well, I'm the Minister of Fun, Eric Johnson. Caleb Herndon, the Human Energizer Bunny, signing off with Mr. John Nelson of York. Any last words, Mr. John? That's it. Just let's go get him. Last day. Last, night, last one, fast one. <laughs> let's do it. We are out. Thank you all.